Krishna is the source of all incarnations. Sutta said, In the beginning of the creation, the Lord first expanded himself in the universal form of the Purusha incarnation and manifested all the ingredients for the material creation. And thus at first there was the creation of the 16 principles of material action. This was for the purpose of creating the material universes. A part of the Purusha lies down within the water of the universe. From the navel lake of his body sprouts a lotus stem. And from the lotus flower atop the stem Brahma, the master of all engineers in the universe becomes manifest. It is believed that all the universal planetary systems are situated on the extensive body of the Purusha. But he has nothing to do with the created material ingredients. His body is eternally in spiritual existence par excellence. The devotees with their perfect eyes see the transcendental form of the Purusha who has thousands of legs, thighs, arms and faces, all extraordinary. In that body there are thousands of heads, ears, eyes and noses. They are decorated with thousands of helmets and glowing earrings and are adorned with garlands. This form, the second manifestation of the Purusha, is the source and indestructible seed of multifarious incarnations within the universe. From the particles and portions of this form, different living entities like demigods, men and others are created. First of all, in the beginning of creation, there was the four unmarried sons of Brahma, the Kumaras, who, being situated in a vow of celibacy, underwent severe austerities for the realization of the Absolute Truth. The supreme enjoyer of all sacrifices accepted the incarnation of a boar, the second incarnation, and for the welfare of the earth, he lifted the earth from the nether regions of the universe. So that is Varahadev. And we know that story about Varahadev, right? So how he fights with Hiranyaksha uh, and then Hiranyakashipu gets upset. He challenges uh, Prahlad, his son, and then Ugra Narsimha comes, right? The supreme enjoyer of all sacrifices accepted the incarnation of a boar, the second incarnation, and for the welfare of the earth, he lifted the earth from the nether regions of the universe. In the millennium of Rishis, the personality of God had accepted the third empowered incarnation in the form of Devrishi Narada, who is a great sage amongst the demigods. He collected expositions of the Vedas which deal with devotional service and which inspire non-fruitive action. In the fourth incarnation, the Lord became Nara and Narayan, the twin sons of the wife of King Dharma. Thus, he undertook severe and exemplary penances to control his senses. The fifth incarnation, namely Lord Kapila, is foremost amongst perfected beings. He gave an exposition of the creative elements and the metaphysics to Asuri Brahmana, for in the course of time this knowledge had been lost. The sixth incarnation of the Purusha was a son of the sage of Atri. He was born from the womb of Anasuya, who prayed for an incarnation. He spoke on the subject of transcendence to Alakra, Prahlad and others, Yadu, Haya, etc. The seventh incarnation was Yagna, the son of Prajapati Ruchi and his wife Akruti. He controlled the period during the change of the Swayambhuva Manu 
and was assisted by demigods such as his son Yama. The eighth incarnation was King Rishabha, the son of King Nabi and his wife Merudevi. In this incarnation, the Lord showed the path of perfection, which is followed by those who have fully controlled their senses and who are honored by all orders of life. O Brahmans, in the ninth incarnation, the Lord prayed for by sages, accepted the body of a king, Prithu, who cultivated the land to yield various products. And for that reason, the earth was beautiful and attractive. When there was a complete inundation after the period of Chakshurmanu, the whole world was deep within water. The Lord accepted the form of a fish and protected uh, Vaivasvata Manu, keeping him, uh, uh, keeping him up on a boat. So that is basically Noah's Ark, basically the, 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 the comparison, right? The 11th incarnation of the Lord took the form of a tortoise, Kurma, whose shell served as a pivot for the Mandarachala hill, which was being used as a churning rod by the theists and atheists of the universe, the demigods and the gods, right? Sorry, the demons and the, and the demigods, demons and the gods. In the 12th incarnation, the Lord appeared as Dhanavantari and in the 13th, he allured the atheists by the charming beauty of a woman and gave nectar to the demigods to drink. In the 14th incarnation, the Lord appeared as Narsimha and bifurcated the strong body of the atheist Hiranyakashipu with his nails just as a carpenter pierces cane. In the 15th incarnation, the Lord assumed the form of a dwarf, Brahmana, Vamanadev, and visited the arena of sacrifice arranged by Maharaj Bali. Although at heart he was willing to reign the kingdom of the three planetary systems, he simply asked for a donation of three steps of land. In the 16th incarnation of the Godhead, the Lord, as Bhrigupati, annihilated the administrative class, Kshatriyas, 21 times. Parshuram, right? Being angry with them because of their rebellion against the Brahmanas, the intelligent class. Thereafter, in the 17th incarnation of Godhead, Sri Vyasadeva appeared in the womb of Satyavati through Parashamuni and he divided the one Veda into several branches and sub-branches, seeing that the people in general were less intelligent. So he broke it up. In the 18th incarnation, the Lord appeared as King Ram. In order to perform some pleasing work for the demigods, he exhibited superhuman powers by controlling the Indian Ocean and then killing the atheist King Ravana, who was on the other side of the sea. In the 19th and 20th incarnations, the Lord himself advented himself as Lord Balram and Lord Krishna in the family of Vrishni, the Yadu dynasty. And by so doing, he removed the burden of the world. Then, in the beginning of Kaliyuga, the Lord will appear as Lord Buddha, the son of Ajnana, in the province of Gaya, just for the purpose of deluding those who are envious of the faithful theist. Thereafter, at the conjunction of the two Yugas, the Lord of creation will take his birth as Kalki. Kalki avatar is yet to come, okay? And become the son of Vishnu Yasa. So that's already predicted. Whose son he is going to come as? Kalki Avtar. At this time, almost all the rulers of the earth will have denigrated into plunderers. And the only mission of Kalki is going to be to annihilate and destroy. 
and it said in scripture that even innocent people will be killed so kalki will not discriminate uh, discriminate amongst any good bad people kalki's only job is to annihilate <coughs> o brahmanas the incarnations of the lord are innumerable like rivulets flowing from the inexhaustible sources of water all the rishis manus demigods and descendants of manu who are especially powerful are plenary portions of or portions of plenary portions of the lord this also includes the prajapatis all of the above mentioned incarnations are either plenary portions or portions of the plenary portions of the lord but lord shri krishna is the original personality of godhead all of them appear on planets wherever there is a disturbance created by the atheists the lord incarnates to protect the theists whoever carefully recites the mysterious appearances of the lord with devotion in the morning and in the evening gets relief from all miseries of life the conception of virat universal form of the lord which arjun saw right as appearing in the material world is imaginary it is to enable the less intelligent and neophytes to adjust to the idea of the lords having form but factually the lord has no material form clouds and dust are carried by the air but less intelligent persons say that the the sky is cloudy and the air is dirty similarly they also implant material bodily conceptions on the spirit itself on the spirit self beyond this gross conception of form is another subtle conception of form which is without formal shape and is unseen unheard and unmanifest the living being has his form beyond this subtlety otherwise he could not have repeated births whatever whenever a person experiences by self realization that both the gross and subtle bodies have nothing to do with the pure self at that time he sees himself as well as the lord if the illusory energy of maya subsides and the living entity becomes fully enriched with knowledge by the grace of the lord then he becomes at once enlightened with self realization and thus becomes situated in his own glory thus learned men describe the births and activities of the unborn and inactive which is indiscoverable even in the vedic literatures he is the lord of the heart the lord whose activities are always spotless is the master of the six senses and is fully omnipotent with six opulences he creates the manifested universes maintains them and annihilates them without being in the least affected he is within every living being and is always independent the foolish with a poor fund of knowledge cannot know the transcendental nature of the forms names and activities of the lord who is playing like an actor in a drama nor can they express such things neither in their speculations nor in their words only those who render unreserved uninterrupted favorable service unto the lotus feet of lord krishna who carries the wheel of the chariot in his hand can know the creator of the universe in his full glory power and transcendence so this this wheel is actually an episode from the mahabharat where karna actually 
defeats uh, Arjun, defeats Krishna and shoots the chariot. So Krishna, enraged, picks up the chariot wheel to go and uh, 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 kill uh, Karna. And Karna wants that. He wants, he's also a devotee. He wants to be killed by Krishna. So he doesn't fight. He just sits and he just surrenders. He says, this is what I want. And then Krishna realizes, oh my God, this is something that, you know, I should not be doing. Because Krishna had taken a vow that I will not fight in the battle. And Karna says, I will make him break that vow. And he makes him break that vow. He makes him pick up a weapon. And there's a story behind. The story says that Krishna was so merciful that because his devotee asked that Krishna should break his vow, Krishna breaks his vow just to be uh, nice to the devotee. (coughs) Only by making such inquiries in this world can one be successful and perfectly cognizant for such inquiries invoke transcendental ecstatic love unto the personality of Godhead who is the proprietor of all the universes and guarantees 100% immunity from the dreadful repetition of birth and death. Not like COVID, no 100% immunity. This Srimad Bhagavatam is the literally, literary incarnation of God and it is compiled by Srila Vyasadeva, the incarnation of God. It is meant for the ultimate good of all people and it is all successful, all blissful and all perfect. Sri Vyasadeva delivered to his son, delivered it to his son, who is the most respected amongst the self-realized after extracting the cream of all Vedic literatures and histories of the universe. Sukadev Goswami, the son of Vyasadeva, in his turn delivered the Bhagavatam to the great emperor Parikshit, who sat surrounded by sages on the banks of the Ganges, awaiting death without taking food or drink. This Bhagavad Puran is as brilliant as the sun. And it has arisen just after the departure of Lord Krishna to his own abode, accompanied by religion, knowledge, etc. That has gone with Krishna. So, Srimad Bhagavatam comes in to replace the knowledge that's gone away. Persons who have lost their vision due to the dense darkness of ignorance in the age of Kali shall get light from the Puran. O learned Brahmanas, when Sukadev Goswami recited Bhagavatam there, in the presence of Emperor Parikshit, I heard him with rapt attention and thus, by his mercy, I learned the Srimad Bhagavatam from that great and powerful sage. Now, I shall try to make you hear the very same thing as I learned it from him and as I have realized it. So, when I was first actually you know, visiting the temple and my curiosity had been piqued, I heard devotees and people would ask me because I was attending lectures. So, Prabhuji, they call each other Prabhuji out of respect, right? So, Prabhuji, what is your realization? And I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. So, what do you mean by realization? I have listened at this and because you are still new, you don't need, you don't know how to react, you don't know how to relate the teachings and the readings into, you know, stuff that you have done personally, right? But over a period of time, you actually do have realizations. Your realizations come from personal uh, circumstances. Uh, Your realization comes from other people's circumstances. And then when you read these verses, uh, some of them actually speak to you. They relate to you because you would have faced some of those circumstances at some point in your life. So what he's saying is here, now I shall try to make you hear the very same thing as I learned it from him and as I have realized it. 